Good morning, everyone. Everyone present for those watching uh, through social media. Friends, our second reading from St. Paul, uh, what he's getting at, he's saying that uh, God never revokes his covenant. He does not take back his gifts. And even when we leave him, walk away from him, turn our back on him, he's waiting for us. And when we turn back to him and come back to him, his grace is full. It's not less. For it's for all of us. My friends, please remember um, something about Jesus' time. Um, in Jesus' time, the Jews observed the Mosaic law meticulously, almost to the point of what I would call being a little bit OCD about it. I mean, they really. And Jesus took issue with it because often they took the rules and the laws and they used it as a weapon to keep others away from them and to bring them down, disparage them. And that's where Jesus took issue. Jesus didn't have issue with laws. It's how they were applied and um, what they were being used for. And in particular, the Jewish people had a lot of purity laws about um, how to wash utensils, how to separate things. They had to wash their hands, uh, and they had to wash their bodies. Children, do you guys wash your hands? Yeah, mom and dad tell you, you got to wash your hands, right? Why do, they have to wa why do you have to wash your hands, do you think? Is there little germy things running around sometimes? Right? We don't want those things, right? You see, that's the good reason. Now, if mom and dad were to tell you to wash your hands simply because that's the way it is and that's the way it was going to be done, that's a little harsh, isn't it? You see, how we have to be careful how we apply the laws and rules and understand them. And... Um, I know you guys are, well, why is Father Mark talking about all of this? Well, one of the things I always tell you about when we're reading the gospel, we've got to be careful how we separate things. And uh, sometimes in order to understand the reading of the day, we have to go back a chapter or go back a paragraph and forward a paragraph. This will help us to understand what's happening in the account given today. Um, and what happens immediately before today's account is the Pharisees have observed Jesus' disciples eating without washing their hands. And it's a violation of the Mosaic laws. Children, can you imagine eating a meal without washing your hands? <laughs> you always wash your hands before you eat? See? It's a good rule. But in this time, the Pharisees and scribes saw Jesus' disciples, they didn't wash their hands, and now they're angry. And... Uh, the other thing I want to remind you about is the Pharisees, is what their name means. Loosely translated, Pharisee means separated ones. They were separated from the others because they were better than everyone else, because they did everything perfectly. And anyone who was not them, they were less. This is important to understand. The Pharisees would keep their distance from any Jew who failed to observe the Mosaic law, Exactly. And they would keep even greater distance away from any Gentile, any pagan, because they were horrible, bad people. Bad, bad, bad. This is what the Pharisees would say, right? If you don't wash your hands, you know what the Pharisees would say? Bad, bad, bad. Does mom and dad say that to you? They don't say that, do they? They just say, wash your hands, please. And that would be clean. See, 
you are, I'm stressing things, I'm joking with the kids, but I'm stressing and stressing something about how we apply things, how we approach them. The uh, Pharisees, they would not go near pagans and Gentiles because they were awful people in their eyes. They didn't know God and they didn't understand his laws. The encounter between the Pharisees and Jesus over this purification rite sets the context for this encounter with the Canaanite woman. This woman is considered to be a Gentile. She's one of the bad people. And um, she was considered to be an outlaw to the Jews. And the Canaanites also did not like the Jews. They did not like each other. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm being kind. They hated each other. As they read it, uh, it becomes a little bit disturbing to them because of the language and tone that is in Matthew's gospel in this account. Uh, this is not the way we understand Jesus. Why would Jesus act and talk this way to somebody? And uh, so what the scene just before, the, what's happening is Jesus is being criticized for not following tradition. Your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Bad. So now we see Jesus following tradition. He is considered to be a rabbi, and um, he is refusing to speak to the Gentile woman. So now we see Jesus following the tradition. Jews were not supposed, they were not to talk to non-Jews. Rabbis didn't talk to women who they didn't know. Rabbis wouldn't even talk to their wives in public. Did you guys know that? In Jesus' time... Even the wives, you couldn't talk. Can you imagine if you're the wife, you're trying to talk to your husband? He's telling you, shh, 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 go home. Even that's breaking the law. He, he probably didn't even do that. He probably just waved his hand. So, knowing all of this, Jesus is following the tradition. He's not talking to the woman. He doesn't know her, and she's of another tribe. She belongs to a people that the Jews hate it begins to pose a dilemma, and Jesus takes advantage of this dilemma to teach the woman something and to teach his apostles also. In this account, the Canaanite woman is persistent. She is undeterred by the silence of this rabbi, and she pleads for help. And Jesus' reply becomes even more um, uncharacteristic. And when people read this, they said, I'm offended that this is in the scriptures. What an offensive word, um, dog. Compared to what people say today on social media and on the news, they're offended by the word dog. Yeah. Yeah, we need to think about this. Here's what's going on. This was commonplace between the two peoples. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that it was commonplace. And uh, recall the Jews thought of themselves as God's chosen ones, his children, because they believed in the one true God, and they followed his laws. They also believed that non-Jews were less than human. They were animals. And uh, towards... Canaanites. Here's the thing. The woman she lived, she knew. 
This is, is, she expected to be called that. She knew. She, lived, she knew what the Jews were thinking of her. She knew what the Jews were going to call her. The also, Jews also know what the Canaanites were going to say. I'm not saying it's right. She knew. She expected this response. But she does not let it affect her. She does not play the victim. She takes the slur and twists it and uses it. You see the power? She takes control over it. Jesus knows. Amazingly, the woman turns the slur to her advantage, and she says, even dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. In this, she recognizes, I understand. How I understand the Jews feel that they're the first ones. It's fine. And she even refers, says, Master, I understand that you are my master. Still, I am asking for your help. This is a lesson for those who say they are victims. Don't be victims. Take back control. Jesus responds, woman, great is your faith. And grants her request. Here's the thing. Ironically, it is within the Gentile world that Jesus encounters deep faith for the one true living God. Matthew shows this in his story. Matthew's a Jew. It's unheard of for him. It's probably just as shocking to him, but he records it. And Matthew shows that the Canaanite woman's address to Jesus by referring to him as Lord and Son of David speaks about a particular faith. She might be a pagan, she might not understand, but she is growing. Because she says, son of David, she calls Jesus Lord. Those are expressions of Jews when they're approaching their Messiah. Obviously, the woman knows something is on her heart about Jesus. He is different careful reflection on this gospel account, one can see what's happening and the lessons that Jesus is going to teach. And um, the Jews should have been using this title with Jesus, but they refused to, either because they were hard of heart or they were ignorant or whatever title we want to use, but they wouldn't do it. Here it is, the pagan woman is calling him by his proper titles. There is a contrast happening. The Ma Matthew the Evangelist is putting, he's showing a contrast between the Pharisees' lack of recognition of Jesus and the acknowledgement of the Canaanite woman. Contrast between the woman and Jesus' own apostles. Although rebuffed at first, the woman approaches Jesus again. We are told she pays him homage. To pay him homage is to fall at his knees. To fall, to fall on her knees before Jesus' feet is to worship him. And she did this before any miracle happens. Go back earlier in the day or the, next, the day before, and we have Jesus walking on water. The apostles only pay Jesus homage after they see the miracle. 
And by the way, they had seen a couple miracles before that. But we're told if you go back in scriptures, Jesus gets back in the boat, reprimands them, then they give glory to God, but only then. Finally, there's a contrasting the Canaanite woman to Peter himself. Though she a pagan woman, Jesus says, great is your faith, woman. Peter, remember what he did? Got out on the water, begins to sink. And what does Jesus say? Peter, so little faith. You see what's happening? Matthew, if you don't understand what happened just the day before, this account doesn't seem so deep after all, but it's very deep. Finally, Jesus, he tells, he spurts out, I have come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is true. Jesus speaks the truth, does not back down from that truth, but he presents it in a way that others will understand. It is true he has come for the Jews. And most of his efforts while he walked on this earth was towards them. Then he encounters the woman, and her faith moves, if you will, Jesus to use what we call his miraculous powers on behalf of an outsider, someone who is not accepted or was told she was not accepted by God. Jesus is moved by her faith and her profound reverence. Jesus tells us that if you see me, you see my Father. So here's my statement. Jesus examples God's heart, God's desire for the salvation of every human person, for all of his creation. He does not distinguish them by hair color, blonde or black, blue, brown eyes, white skin, black skin, red skin. Doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, anyone who says that it matters is an affront to God. This is strange to Matthew, the writer. This notion of the universality of God's love and God's saving plan for all peoples. Oddly enough, we have the very first reading that talks to us about this. The first reading is from the prophet Isaiah. It is ancient text. That means the Jews already knew. Isaiah wasn't new to them. That's one of their great prophets. The prophet would explain that the Babylonian captivity was part of God's plan to bring salvation to the Gentiles. We hear it somewhat repeated by St. Paul. I will use all these people, not to diminish them, but to bring them to me, the one who has salvation. He explained that God would use them as instruments to bring other peoples to knowledge of and love of the one true living God. Today's first reading has these nuances of the universality of God's message and his plan. And what's also striking, I know you guys probably don't remember, but the prophet Ezekiel, another great prophet from another time, he didn't seem to understand this because he opposed foreigners in the temple. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't at the time. Huh? 
Isaiah would ultimately welcome all people of goodwill who would worship the one true God sincerely to the temple. Isaiah would exhort the Jewish exiles of his time to rebuild their community, to keep their traditions, yes, to keep the laws, yes, and to face hardships with hope. And part of that would be welcoming of other peoples who had sincere faith to God and welcomed them. He goes further. He assures Isaiah, assures them in God's name that the sacrifices of anyone properly disposed, that means who will come in peace and unity and will acknowledge God, that their sacrifices will be acceptable to God, that they will be able to place it on his altar and he will take it, and that his house ultimately, as God desires, will be a house for all peoples. This was Old Testament. And the people of Jesus' time didn't get it. And we still don't. We still don't get it. The Canaanite woman is held up as an example of faith and courage and unselfish love. She overcomes the obstacles of this world, of society, even of faith as hard as it can be. She had to overcome her pride also. She had to overcome the scourge of others. She was an outsider. She was hated. She knew it. But she also knew where true love and unity was found in this rabbi. She had to overcome the rejections not only of the Jews, but her own people to terms with our Lord's truth. At first, it seemed harsh. But eventually, with faith and persistence and perseverance and understanding, she come to an understanding that she needed to know in order to grow in faith. This is why I tell you the lesson was for both of them, the woman and the apostles. Hey, looking at the reading of the first reading and the gospel, how do we apply it to a world that has joy and beauty but also has bigotry and racism and hatred? People who attack each other. We Christians are called to be the example. Go back to the first reading. God says, my time has come. My justice is coming. And you are to example it. You are to live it. You are to be the example. We are called to be that for the world. We are called to be a source of peace and unity and love. And it's not easy, but it is possible. But it's hard when I see our own people fighting with each other, our own Catholics fighting against each other and attacking each other. How are we going to example to a world that needs hope and love when we can't even get this right ourselves? It is time to put bigotry and discrimination and racism aside. It's time to be careful about how we view people's spiritualities. I'm not talking about paganism. I'm talking about all the different forms of that as it comes into our church. And not attack 
and not use rules to separate and to give God ultimate glory and what his heart desires, that his house be a house for all people who will come to him and worship him truly, truly. Amen?